This morning, I want to. Sh- we're gonna. I'm gonna share from Luke chapter three, verses one to twenty, for our brief meditation. I'm gonna just read it out, and then uh, we'll get started. <clears throat> now, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being the governor of Judea. Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Ituria and the region of Tarconitis, Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words Of Isaiah the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough way smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then he said to the multitudes that came to be baptized by him, brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I say to you, God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and said to them, He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, What shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Now, as the people were in expectation, all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. With many exhortations he preached to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also added to this above all that he shut John up in prison. Our loving Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the word that you have given me to share to your people, Lord. I pray that it would be your word and not my word, not my wisdom, not my understanding, but it is your word that goes forth, Father God. I pray that you prepare the hearts and minds of all who are listening here today, Father God, so that they will receive and be transformed, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Praise God. The background of this passage... You know, Luke starts, he's a physician, and he's documenting the life of Christ, and he's going through it. 
you know, section by section, and he's giving you all different aspects about what happened in the life of Christ. And before the life of Christ or the story of Christ begins, he goes into his cousin John. And so the background is that between the Old Testament and the New Testament, about 400 years passed, there was no prophets, no direct word from, the, from God. Israel was under the rule of the Roman Empire, and the land was divided among the children of Herod the Great and Herod Antipas, the sons of Herod the Great, the Tetrarch, and the governor of Galilee. Herod Antipas, who had a brother whose name was Philip, he was also a Tetrarch. A Tetrarch means governor of a quarter. So the land was divided amongst the children of Herod. Herod the Great, if you remember, is Herod who was king during the time when Jesus was born. And he is the one who actually executed a large number of children trying to secure his throne. He was a very evil man. It was even said, I was ready, reading through and researching, I saw this one story where Herod, nobody was really remorseful when he was sick and he was on his deathbed. He called 70 of his other governors and rulers and said, you will also be put, to, be put to death when I die. And then everybody started grieving. This is the kind of philosophy this man had. Because nobody was grieving his death, he wanted to make sure others were put to death so that they could grieve. This is the type of people that ruled Rome and Israel at that time. But during this time, the word of God comes to John, a man who was living obscurely in the wilderness. Who was John? We know him as John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. John's parents were Zacharias and Elizabeth. Both were descendants of Aaron, so they were from a priestly clan. John's birth was a miracle. His birth was foretold by the angel Gabriel. The Holy Spirit filled John even while he was in the womb of his mother. After he was born, the Bible is silent about his upbringing. But two things are written about John. His father, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied who John would become. And it's written in Luke chapter 1, verse 75 to 79. Luke 1, verse 80 also says this about John. The child grew and became strong in spirit. He was hidden and shaped for God's purpose. At the appointed time, God moved him. There's no background story about John's upbringing, but we know that the Spirit of God was working in him. I know today is family Sunday, and children are here. And I want to tell you parents, because I do this as well, take time to pray with your children and prophesy over them what they will be today now more than ever. We have to pray over our children and make sure that they become strong in the spirit. We want the best education for them. We want the very best for them. But more than anything else, that they should know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Ensure that our children are strong in the spirit. So I'm going to highlight a few points from this chapter describing the ministry of John the Baptist and how it is applicable today to us as Christians. Luke chapter 3, verse 1 to 2 it tells us in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, and then he lists a bunch of rulers. Pontius Pilate, Herod the Tetrarch, his brother Philip, Lysanias, Annas and Caiaphas were high priests. The first point, rejecting and compromising God's word leads to wickedness. The land was ruled by those who are wicked and full of wickedness. The Romans were not men of noble character, nor was the governors they placed to rule over their regions. 
They were brutal in their methods. Nor were they were brutal in their means and methods to ensure that their power was secured. Herod Antipas was also known as Herod the Tetrarch, was not a good man. He had his own agenda. And to keep his power secure, he had political friendships. Herod kept his power by supporting the demands of the elite in the society, the wealthy, the religious scholars, the Pharisees and Sadducees. The Romans required Herod to prevent any revolts or uprisings from occurring from the Jewish people that he governed. So Herod hears the demands and petitions of those elite and wealthy people in the region to ensure that peace is kept. So the wealthy and religious rulers exercise authority over the common man since they have the ear of the king and can destroy anyone who dares to speak up against them. How did Israel get to this point of oppression? Israel got to this point of subjugation because the people, they rejected and compromised God's commands. They rejected the loving, merciful, gracious God who loved them and blessed them and inherited a bondage of tyrants. All the curses that Moses and Joshua and the prophets warned Israel about came to pass. They had relentlessly insisted that Israel return to God, escape God's judgment, but Israel chose poorly. This pattern applies to us living today as well. When we don't call out or speak out what is wrong, wickedness has a way of slowly creeping in and finding its way into the seats of power. How does this happen? When the world cannot distinguish between a non-believer and a Christian, it allows for wickedness to take root. When we Christians follow the same patterns and lifestyles of the rest of the world, it empowers wickedness to flourish and depowers Christians from speaking against it. We have become a joke. We aren't taken seriously anymore. Oh, you Christians, all of you are the same. You say pious things and do the complete opposite. How did we get here? The Christians compromise the truth instead of being the standard bearers of what truth is. The major Christian leaders fell into sin and those who were preaching were caught cheating. Major Christian denominations changed their view on biblical principles. They allowed for homosexuality to be permitted, sexual immorality to be tolerated, and it has become so confusing now that we're at the point of redefining what a man and a woman is. We had a Supreme Court appointee recently who refused to define what a woman is. She was a woman, but she will not define what a woman is. To speak the truth means you can be charged with a crime in some countries because we have been so, because we are being inconsiderate to a certain marginalized groups. To speak the truth now is committing a form of violence. Confusion and wickedness has flourished because those who are supposed to speak truth stand up for what truth is, forgot what truth is. Though they knew what truth was, they compromised the truth to appeal to men. Point number two. We need to prepare to receive the truth from God's word. Luke 3 verse 2 says, The word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. We need to receive the truth from God to know and understand what is right and that which is heaven's will. The word of God came to John in the wilderness and he started preaching repentance. He started speaking truth as the word of God revealed it to him. He started baptizing and they came 
asking him how to fix their hopeless lives. Where was John when he heard the word of God? He was in the wilderness, separated from the hustle and bustle of ordinary life. John chose not to partake in regular life. He was an extreme case of devotion to God. We know that he lived in the desert. He uh, wore camel's clothing and, and uh, 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 ate wild uh, honey and locusts. That's what his diet was. He was an extreme case of devotion, but we don't have to be that way. We can learn this from the way God, John chose to lead his life. We can be part of this world without partaking in its methods, means, and ways. We don't have to live as a hermit. No, that's not what God desires or expects us to do. But every opportunity to distinguish ourselves as Christians who live by the word of God should be taken. The word of God is spoken from this pulpit every week. Much of it is how much of it is spiritually digested. The ministers who share from the word of God every week, is it getting into our very souls for transformation? Are we taking it and applying it to ensure that we understand it? Without separating ourselves spiritually from the word, the word of God will not be able to do its work. It will be choked. It will not be able to take root. Jesus shares us shared this in his parable, that the seeds which fell among the thorns, the cares of this world, choke the word planted, and it becomes unfruitful. If we want to be fruitful, we must prepare and separate ourselves spiritually from the world around us. Third point, live out the truth. Luke 3, verse 3. He went into all the reason around Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John heard the word and started preaching it teaching it, living it, applying it. He lived out the prophecy that was written about him in Isaiah the, by Isaiah the prophet. He started counseling people who wanted salvation. They came to him in droves because he was speaking heaven's message. He was showing what truth was, getting people for the, ready for the ministry of Christ. Before, he was alone in the wilderness. Now John is ministering and interacting with people. The word that he received compelled him to move into another realm of ministry. He was no longer hidden, but the word, the word enabled him to minister, yet be separate from the world. We are required to live out the word as well. The word which has been planted in us, the word which has brought us to salvation, the word of life that changed our destiny is to be shared around the world. Our schools, our workplaces, our extended families, our day-to-day -day lives, the word of God should be compelling us to live out the gospel. Sometimes it might be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to a broken soul. Sometimes it might just be praying for someone who's hurting. Sometimes it is the joy bubbling in our hearts that causes people to say, why are you so happy every day? People will come and ask, what is your hope? And we must be ready with the answer. Jesus Christ is our hope. Luke 3 verse 7. Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? G John wasn't scared of offending people. He called, them he called them as he saw them. He called a spade a spade. Vipers poisoned their prey and devoured it. That's what the leaders of that time poisoned the minds and hearts of people. And they fell prey to their teachings and subjugation. Standing up for your faith will offend people. Disagreeing with their perceptions of reality will offend them. Telling them what the Bible tells is sin will offend them. 
telling someone that they're endangering their souls to eternal damnation will offend them. Telling them that Jesus loves them and wants them to be a part of his family will also offend them. The wrath of God is coming for this world one day. It's our responsibility and commission to preach the good news and live it out regardless of who it may offend. Point number four, genuine faith is required. Luke 3 verse 8. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. The word of God tells us to bear fruits worthy of repentance. What does that mean? Our repentance must be tangible. There should be an identifiable difference between how we Christians conduct ourselves and carry ourselves. We have left the old ways. We are new creatures. We cannot rely on the heritage of our Christian faith to save us. It is not our father's faith. It has to be our faith. It has to be something that is rooted in us and that we are rooted in. It has to be our own declaration and profession. We cannot say, I was raised in a Christian home and went to a church all my life. That is why I'm saved. We need to have that mark of Christ that he is our all. He is our Lord who died for our sins and we have surrendered our lives to him. He has to be our salvation. Luke 3 verse 9. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There is a consequence for not living out the word that we have received. It is a warning to those who have received the word and reject it. Ignore the word. They won't bear fruits worthy of repentance. And it's a frightening thing to be cut down. What shall we do then? There's three types of people that John talks to. The blessed, the wealthy, those who have more than they need. Share your wealth, share your food. That's what he gives them. The ordinary man who works the nine to five. Be honest with your work. Treat people with dignity. Don't exploit them. The leaders and the government officials, the soldiers. Be of high integrity, high character, and content. Genuine faith affects all aspects of society. From the ordinary person to the wealthy to the officials in all capacities. Luke 3 verse 15 says, Now the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ. Know your role and live it out. John did not try to seize the opportunity to lift himself up to a higher status or take advantage of what the people were claiming, something he wasn't. He knew who he was. He, what he was made for and accepted the role as the herald of the one true Savior. His ministry and work pointed to Christ. Genuine faith helps us understand our role in God's plan and purpose for which he made us. My fifth point. Our king will return soon. Luke 3 verse 17. His winnowing plan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly cleanse out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. We must make ready for Christ's return. John's purpose was to be a herald of the coming Savior. Get ready for the ministry of Christ. Our purpose is to be the herald of the coming King. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, 
that Jesus is our Lord. There will be one day when we will be separated from this world. The wheat and the chaff will be separated. Judgment day is a reality. Don't believe the false gospels saying that there is no hell and that God go to heaven. God who is loving will never send anyone to hell. These are false gospels. Those who reject God's mercy and grace have chosen for themselves his judgment. Church, we're coming out of a pandemic. There's a war going on in Europe. There's wars going on in the Middle East. There's tensions in the Pacific. There's social unrest. There is people who have become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, become ever increasingly boastful and arrogant, all signs that his return is imminent. Our Lord and King will return soon. And the signs of distress in this world are occurring with greater frequency. Living out the word of God will have consequences. In this country where we have the freedom, the consequences will be different from where the word of God is forbidden. There might be economic consequences here. In other places, there is physical mistreatment. People are thrown in prison, even beaten and put to death. John was thrown in prison because he spoke against Herod, who took his brother's wife. What did he say was wrong? Did John make up something? He called out saying, adultery is wrong. John spoke the truth and was thrown in prison to silence him. John could have backed away, even validated Herod saying, you know, I was wrong. I have a different perspective now. You're a good leader. But that would be compromising on the word of God. John stood firm despite the consequences. You know, one thing I was reading, I was understanding, where were the religious leaders? Where are the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Why didn't they call out Herod? I mean, a few chapters later, you'll see them bringing a woman caught in adultery before Jesus and saying, hey, listen, this woman was caught in adultery. What must we, we what should we do? But the king, they did not say a word against him. Why? Because they knew what would happen if they spoke against him. Church, we need to stand firm in the days to come, despite the consequences. The world isn't becoming a better place. It's increasing in its wickedness. It is not adhering to what is true. It is embracing confusion. It is teaching what is evil is good and rejecting good as evil. So to summarize, church, my first point, rejecting and compromising the word of God leads to wickedness. It will always lead to wickedness. When there is no God, wickedness creeps in. I was researching a little bit about North Korea. North Korea, if, before it was North Korea, Pyongyang was known as the Jerusalem of the East. There were so many churches there. There was, there was thousands of churches there. But something happened there. They compromised. They joined with the government, and later on, the government rejected them and forbid the gospel from being uh, taught there. I don't know the entire story. I was researching it, but there's little gaps. But it seems that they compromised. They wanted to use the church as a platform for political power. And when those politicians came into power, they ended up going against the church and forbidding the church, from speaking, from spreading the word. Whenever we compromise the word of God, it will always lead to wickedness. We need to prepare ourselves to receive the truth of God's word. 
We need to separate ourselves from the world around us. We cannot practice what they practice. For fruitfulness to take place, we must be different from the world. There has to be a distinguishing factor. In both my workplaces, I'll tell you a personal testimony. They knew I'm Christian. I don't work on Sundays. That's one of the things that I've told them even when I joined. I don't work on Sundays. I go to church on Sundays. They looked at me skeptically at first because they're like, we know a lot of Christians who work on Sundays. Not me. I don't do it. They actually came to me and said, okay, we agree, you know, we'll But then once in a while, they'll come up and bring up the topic again. Hey, hey, uh, we need somebody to cover this Sunday. Is there anybody else who can do it? Yes, but we would like you to be there. No, I, I can't do it. They will test you. The world will always test you on what you claim. They will ask you, hey, what about your faith? What about this? Everybody knows who I, I'm a Christian in the office, and they started not even cursing around me. My previous manager, my God, he used to curse like a sailor. I could not be in that office for more than 10 minutes. But later on, as he understood my faith, and they started saying, oh, you're a man of the cloth, you're a man of the cloth. Yeah, I'm a Christian. They don't see me curse. No matter how frustrating the scenario can be, I don't curse. They started not cursing around me. Listen, there has to be a distinguishing factor between who we are and the rest of the world. We can't behave like them. We can't be like them. We ha there has to be a difference. They must see a change or a difference in us. Live out the truth. We must live out the gospel. We must be ready to speak up and stand up for that which is right and true in God's word without compromising. Our faith cannot be a joke to people. We've seen it in the past couple of years. How many prominent men of God, their reputations tarnished because they didn't keep the word of God. They would preach from this pulpit and many other more higher and bigger platforms. They would speak out the truth, but when it came to their own personal lives and their own personal integrity, they had nothing. They become a joke. We become a joke. We should not let this gospel become a joke to the world. It is something that our Lord died for. It is the good news of salvation. We cannot compromise on the word of God. Genuine faith is required. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Our actions, words, our inactions, the way we conduct and carry ourselves must be representative of the salvation that we received. It has to be our own salvation, not our parents' faith. When we have genuine faith, we will even find the very purpose of why God placed us here. Our king is coming soon. There are signs and it's increasing every day. So let us be found actively working and living out our faith despite the consequences. So when Christ does return, he will find us working faithfully, being faithful to the word of God. And let it be said of us, well done good and faithful servant. Church, may God bless you with these words.